0: Welcome to the first episode of Bench Talk for two thousand and seventeen. I'm your host Tom Gerrard. I hope you had a good break. I've got a lot of great guests lined up for this year, and I've got some really big plans for the podcast. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I've got some new intro music. It's been uh, kindly provided by this week's guest, Platonic Lab. It's great to have some uh, official music to use. It's something that I've actually got permission this time. The music's from the uh, instrumental of the song Echoes that uh, Platonic Lab mentions in the podcast as being one of the favourite songs he's ever made. That's uh, worked out really well considering I uh, chose the music before I interviewed him. But before we get into it, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. Also subscribe on iTunes, that way you can get an episode delivered to your phone every week. Uh, while you're there, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really helps to get the, the word out there. Or you can just tell a friend. I always appreciate that. Uh, also, streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Um, but without further ado, here's the first episode of 2017 with Platonic Lab. Uh, so I'm sitting here with Platonic Lab.
1: How yeah. you going? Good, man. Thanks yeah. for having me on. That's
0: all right. It's, uh, it's nice to um, sit down with you and have a have a chat. Yep. <laughs> so you're the first, um, uh, you know, non. I guess. You're, not, you're an artist in a different uh, different medium. You know, yeah, like, well, I've had a lot of photographers and and painters, yeah, and graphic and designers, illustrators. But yeah. yeah, but you know, you're, you're still an artist, but in a in a different different way. Mm. So um, so you've been like making music for most of your life. Yeah, in yeah. some way or another. Yeah. I guess. How did yeah. you get into it in the, in the start?
1: Uh, my dad uh, was a musician. He was actually really. I think. In his younger years, he was probably a very promising musician, but um, at a young age, he, you know, started a family and had all those pressures and stuff. So he did—he basically did shows on weekends as long as I can remember. And at, at the house I grew up with, uh, grew up in, we had a um, a room in the house that just had music, musical instruments in it, and uh, had all of his music gear and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I kind of yeah I kind of grew up in a household where um, yeah just had instruments lying around and uh, you know piano and all that kind of stuff, which is interesting because I can't play piano for shit. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but we had all that stuff and um, yeah when he would go to work and I'd come home from school uh, I'd just like you know go into this music room and uh, kind of. Take out all of his you know, guitar pedals and you know plug in all his amps and cables and shit. And before he got home from work, I'd put it all exactly like back where it was, so he didn't know I was messing with his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but he probably knew. Yeah. yeah.
0: What sort of music did he
1: play? Uh, he was like more kind of like uh, I guess I describe it as trad jazz. So he was like a, a Hammond organ player. Oh. He fresh. Like, yeah, he'd do like sort of jazz kind of stuff. But some you know some of it I think like when I was younger I thought. It was the most uncool thing ever, but um, I didn't appreciate it till later on. Like I guess in my early twenties, I sort of started to appreciate jazz and stuff a lot more.
0: Yeah, That's always the way <laughs> with your parents, though. Like oh, I remember, like, yeah. I remember my um my dad used to play like Van Morrison and Howl and Wolf and all that in the car when we'll be on road trips and just be like, oh, dad, turn this off, put Michael Jackson on. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> similar thing. Yeah, put, put Billy Idol on. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like um, you said you can't play the piano. You, you, you play the drums. Like, do you play any other instruments? Um,
1: I, I tackle everything. Like uh, I kind of, you know, I do play a bit of keys and I, I like playing bass, like I guess that's the next instrument to drums that I feel I can sort of, you know, um, work around, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just, I, I play everything with the use of kind of technology to make it sound like something, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've always just done that. I've always just tinkered. I don't know why I've never really learnt, um, much theory, um, I didn't really learn much theory from my dad either, like, he was just kind of, he was terrible teacher, but um, it was just I just picked everything up by ear, so yeah, I guess I've always had a good ear for stuff, so picking up, you know, melodic stuff and chords and things.
0: So you never learned to read music or anything
1: like that? No, I think when I was an early teenager, from I started playing drums when I was about 9 or 10, and um, for the first couple of years I had drum lessons, so it was all like manuscript and um you know it's doing drum theory and it's pretty boring uh, when you're a little kid and um and i think at some point in my early teens i just didn't want to do that i just wanted to rock out like a dickhead so yeah I just started <laughs> just started playing like doing that just playing drums yeah did you find yourself in like um like different
0: genres of music like like the, the drummer in a lot of different bands or anything like yeah,
1: that yeah i did like i mean Cause I, cause when I, uh, where I grew up, like I didn't know any other musicians. There weren't any other kids I grew up with that were into music. They were just more into like probably uh, crime. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah. So like uh, I, later on, I think like the because my dad was a jazz muso, and you know I was into lots of different music. Like probably in my mid teens, I was probably more into metal and stuff. And um, by the time I hit, like, you know, I'd moved out of home and was in share houses in my late teens and early 20s. I was playing, like, in African bands, I think, at one point, and uh, playing reggae. I was playing in a couple of rock bands, like, just uh, playing some funk stuff, like, just whatever. Just a bit of a band slut, all over, really. <laughs> <laughs> playing all sorts of stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. And when, when you started recording music, like, um, I take it you learned in a traditional studio where it was all all on tape. Um,
1: yeah, it was, but it was kind of like I mean, it wasn't like a um. A, it was like in the in the eighties. Uh, ran into a, a high school teacher, um, and this is when like home studios costed a lot of money, and no one like had them like you know you have Ableton or Garage Band on your computer, and you can do multi track recording. It wasn't really a thing back then. and um he just happened to have like you know he would invested in like this eight in an eight track reel to reel and he had a a mixing board like a really nice one and uh, all this stuff and he sort of like made his house kind of like a recording setup for his band and because i'd already been playing drums for a while i was you know kind of pretty good in my late teens and uh he asked me to come put some drums down for these recordings that these guys were doing and um yeah we just sort of got along really well and i i guess i weren't studio recording from he you know he was the catalyst really because um he would go overseas on trips with his friends or whatever and i would house mine for him and uh, so basically like it was mining a house with a like a really crazy kind of cool home studio in it and i just learned how to multitrack and all that kind of stuff from you know he had drum machines and things like that so yeah it was really that was like i guess that was the turning point as far as like figuring out that i Instead of just being a drummer in a band, I could actually kind of like make, you know, I could be on my own, but just make a whole piece of music from start to finish through multi-tracking. Yeah.
0: And with, um, with the transition into digital, did you, um, did you, uh, find it hard to make, make the transition or did you, do you find it quite easily?
1: No, it was kind of, I mean, it was like a blessing really. It's kind of like when, uh, hard disc recording on a computer, uh, became kind of affordable. It was just kind of like, fuck, you know, this is like what, I, what I've really been wanting this whole time. Because mm. uh, before that, it was kind of... I was using a... Through the 90s, I was using a, an ASR-10 and I had this Atari computer to sequence out songs and stuff. But it was all kind of like if I needed, a say, a trumpet solo or something, I would just sample it in and then play the sample in the track. So it was all real kind of like, you know make do kind of uh yeah i don't know just piecing it together without multi-tracking really but just using the sampler uh as best i could i don't know if this makes any sense to people listening (laughs) but um yeah it's just kind of like taking little little slices of sound on a on a hardware sampler and just like you know playing those pieces in yeah
0: yeah because oh, i used to mess around with like um cubase right, is right. It, that was what it was called, called
1: eh? yeah cubase was on atari and uh, yeah. i used notator which is now logic so um yeah. on, like logic which is on mac but um yeah. yeah it was called notator then it was kind of just it was just a MIDI uh sequencer so you couldn't record yeah. um audio into it and the same with cubase like i, I know um Friend of mine Theo, who people might know as Prowler, was using. I and Jace were using Cubase at the time on an Atari, and that was also just a, a MIDI sequencer, so you couldn't actually record into it, yeah, audio or vocals or whatever.
0: Yeah. So I remember um, a friend of mine had a had a keyboard that he'd plug into it and. Would make make tunes like that but then go to another friend's house and he actually had a sampler and everything and it was a right, like game right. changer. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. can get any sound you want Yeah, and just layer it up and, and you know put it in the timeline and everything and yeah.
1: you've got a tune well a friend of mine would just leave um, his gear with me and um, that was like really good as well so I just had this kind of stuff on permanent loan and just yeah just fucking rinsed it and made as much shit as I could while I had it <laughs> yeah. you know
0: yeah, Did you, knowing that you had a timeline, you know, I mean, sorry, of like a, an end date when he was going to ask for it all back. Did it, Do you feel you got a lot of progression out of that? Like maybe, maybe it
1: subconsciously, it, yeah, it's kind of like I got to use this while I got it. But I was also like a bit of an idiot with gear as well because my my dad would often like give me stuff, um, keyboards and spring reverbs and all kinds of cool that would would be considered cool shit now, but then I just thought it was you know, not really what I was after or whatever and I just like, you know, sell it real cheap or, you know, swap it for something and yeah. just yeah, just I look back now it's like some of those things would probably be worth a lot of money now. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like the um you know the father son thing, the you know, the dad yeah It's like, oh this is a cool stuff, you know, this is what you need to be getting mm. into and the kid kids is like, ah oh, like, you don't know anything. <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, where the name uh, Platonic Lab come from?
1: Oh man, it's like a doesn't really make any sense. But um, a friend of ours in the um, in the mid nineties, it said said something like. uh, in a conversation and we, look, we always were looking for cool phrases and stuff to, to either use in raps or, you know, use for track titles and stuff like that. And he said Plutonic Lovely and we were looking for a, a name for a record label because we were doing some stuff independently on cassette. This is like 95 around then. And uh, it sort of stuck with us. And then because I was making all the beats for that label, for what it was, um, I used Plutonic Lab... As the kind of production name, I guess, and then I just sort of stuck with it. And there's de- definitely been times when I thought it kind of, yeah, I should probably change it, but it kind of like I had accumulated too much work under the name, so I thought it was like it's like damned if I do and damned if I don't kind of thing. Like, yeah. Do I swap it out and then try? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I just, I just sort of stuck. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you've um, you've done a lot of uh, work with. Like overseas artists, like you know, like Guilty Simpson, Task Force, Fat Lip, uh, Wiley, you know, people like that. Like, how did you get hooked up with overseas artists?
1: Um, uh, in the I guess in the early two uh, thousands, um, it was mostly through um, I guess late nineties and early two thousands, it would have been through Nuff Said. So, uh, uh, Theo would have been Prowler would have been making those connections. That's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, making those connections with people like Eternia um, uh, Sean Love and uh, man my brain's a bit blank but like there's yeah so many uh, Tumi from South Africa we did some stuff with and um, there were some people in the UK the Planets uh, and Task Force was through um, uh, Pegs so I guess kind of like uh, because I was making the music it would always be kind of like someone would be kind of the conduit between getting the artist in like onto the track and I'd kind of like create the music so I guess you know some of the times I'd get to meet them like Eternia came out um in 2003 or something and we sort of got to hang out and but there was a lot of those kind of moments where they would visit Australia and they would hang out with them and make tunes and then other times it would just be uh I guess before like fast internet so we would send cds off overseas and they would send cds of their you know wraps and stuff back to us yeah that sort of thing which you can just kind of do over emails now <laughs>
0: but, uh, yeah yeah so did you um do you find it hard to get noticed outside of australia
1: yeah well i've never really i think i've done it a little bit in kind of like some underground kind of circles like you know people have heard of me probably more in, in the uk and new zealand but um uh, yeah, I mean, I've never really been on a record label that's pushed my stuff overseas, so it's always been through kind of like just weird, um, it's just found its way to places, like it's found its way to record stores and, you know, that sort of thing. It's just been a natural kind of like thing. But, um, yeah, I've never had any kind of like crazy like push overseas as an artist or anything like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's weird how um, things from Australia get overseas. Like, on my travels, I've found a lot of, like, um, just a lot of things from Melbourne in general, just in, like, weird shops and stuff like that. It's
1: usually, usually like, someone really passionate about bringing out music from another country somewhere. Mm. Like, it might have been, you know, Mr. Bongo in the UK or something like that. So, there's someone... Uh, it's actually
0: one of the shops I was thinking. Right, about. right. Because yeah.
1: like there's yeah, there's usually just someone that's interested in that shit, and they'll like kind of you know champion wherever it is. You know? mm. So you will get stuff from Australia in the UK, or you get stuff from Australia in uh, in Montreal or somewhere. You know, yeah. just because you know some DJ likes that shit, and mm. they just start bringing it in.
0: Even magazines and stuff like that. Right. Like I remember yeah. seeing the, like the RDC magazine. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, b- they bought out one magazine, and that That's was it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was I, on that
1: compilation. Did a couple of tracks on that. All
0: right. Yeah. So, uh, and then I, I, I saw that in a little town in Sweden. There <laughs> was a there was a sort of it was a cool like bookshop records. Right. And they had that That's crazy, because that would have
1: been such a limited run. Exactly. Like, it would like have made been like 200 whole, or, yeah, or whatever, Yeah, would no copies. <laughs> but I think like that, I mean, that makes it sense in terms of like how graffiti culture is so all kind of like pervasive, you know, like yeah. it would, it makes sort of sense that the same way that a lot of European stuff makes its way to here, and it's, it does have that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I think music is a, has a harder push in some ways. Hmm. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. It is.
0: Yeah, I made my friend buy it he didn't know anything about graffiti in Australia or anything like that. And so right. like, oh Buy this man; these guys yeah. are all good, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I bet he's glad he did it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember he really liked, you know, Prowler and, and Jaws and Ranks and stuff like mm. that. You know. But um, so have you done a lot of uh,
1: a lot of touring as well? Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, t- like I'd, I'd always done, you know, been doing shows and stuff. I didn't. I occasionally would get a chance to get outside of the state. Um, in the 90s like we did uh, a festival here and there in the mid 90s and we'd do you know an occasional show in uh, Brisbane or Sydney or something but it wasn't until like the early 2000s um, when I really started to get around and that's, uh, that was like making records for Pegs and touring with him um, and that was with DJ Select at the time so it was me and Select and Pegs and we'd, yeah, we'd do like you know, a whole bunch of you know, stuff like festivals and, uh, you know, tours and stuff. Um, and we did like a, the, it was like a pretty fortunate to be on the, um, that when the Hoods actually did their, their calling tour, uh, we were the main support for that. And so we kind of got to see that change in Australian rap just when they were just taking off kind of thing. Like, it was just a real kind of cool, like, an, a time to be on that tour, like, just to see that kind of happen, you know.
0: And you've always, uh, like, do you, have you always played the drums live and stuff? When yeah, you well,
1: I, I, I can't remember what year it was, but, like, because um, when, when I was a kid, I would just put my dad's drum machines on and put, like, percussion sounds on and play to that and do that thing like you know heaps of djs and kids when they're starting out they do that thing where they get a tape deck they record something onto it and then they get it uh, play that back and record that whatever's coming out on that deck to another tape deck and that's a way of multi-tracking so i do that i play drums to drum machines and stuff and um i saw disposable heroes of hypocrisy at one point and they came to australia this is like early early 90s and um they had a drummer with a sampler next to him and he was just doing the the drums and they had all the samples coming off the sampler and they had, uh, I think it was Charlie Hunter on guitar and then uh, Michael Franny (coughs) rapping. I was kind of like, fuck, that's how I can do it. I can actually still make all the, the music, but instead of like you know DJing it or whatever, I can actually just play the thing that I'm most comfortable with, which is drumming. But then I'll just take the drums out of the beats and then just do the drums live. And that's how I did it for like years and years, you know.
0: Yeah, Are you still doing that these days?
1: Yeah, well, I'm still yeah, I'm sort of still doing that, I guess, with the hoods now. But um, they leave their drums in, yeah. <laughs> so I've got like i got to like play acoustic drums over the top of you know their production kind of thing, yeah. which is super tricky sometimes.
0: <laughs> I guess you know if you're off, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know straight away.
1: <laughs> yeah. So do you do you enjoy touring? yeah i do i actually really kind of like i've spoken to a few like friends of mine who have done a lot of touring and stuff and a lot of them really don't like it but i think it really comes down to um who you're touring with and what kind of tour it is i think like i really thrive in it i love touring it's one of the things i really like doing and um, i think for other people they just have a hard time with it i think they just don't maybe don't like being away from home or I'm not really sure. I just yeah, don't seem to have such a good time with it. Yeah. So I think it would be a completely
0: different vibe, like being on stage in front of thousands of people compared to yeah. um, being in your studio on your own.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a funny gig too because, like, I mean, you're kind of like, I'm there and I'm doing all that cool shit and I'm on those tours. It's almost like watching uh, someone else's career, like, <laughs> happen, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's... Yeah, you're sort of like you're part of it, and you're also just kind of like witness to it as well at the same time.
0: Yeah. So with your um with your latest album, uh, Deep Above the Noise, like you've um landed the double J and three PBS like feature album positions. Is yeah. It, is this the first time this type of stuff's come about?
1: Um, I think for my last solo record in 2005, I think I did get a feature record on Triple R. But um, for my groups like for Muffin Plutonic um all three of our albums were feature albums on triple j and we had you know heaps of feature records on um community radio and stuff so i guess i mean it's like it's pretty good as a a solo performer to have something like that happen but um and also i guess like um as far as having done it for a while and still get that kind of response is really cool so like yeah it's it's fucking awesome that to have happened,
0: yeah, and you've got like, um, a, like a song on the triple J hottest 100 coming up, like sliced bread featuring Nosus oh, yeah, well, like that, that won't happen, <laughs> that yeah. won't happen, but it's like yeah. it's
1: there to be voted for, I guess.
0: I, I voted for it yes. also, awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all, all done, yeah.
1: I mean, it's just nice that it's in there, but yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, the hottest 100 gets around, like, how weird is this? I was in, um, you know, Claire and I were in uh, on the border of Costa Rica and Nicaragua. Waiting in line, and some guy was standing behind us in line. Um, it was from um, Austin, Texas. And he goes, Hey, are you guys from Australia? And we're like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. And he's like, He's like, You going to Nicaragua? And we're like, Yeah. And he's like, Where in Nicaragua are you going? And we, I told him, He's like, I'm going to the same place. He was just a young guy, he's mm. like in his 20s. He goes, What are you up to tomorrow? We go, Oh, we haven't given it much thought. And he goes, Well, it's Australia Day tomorrow. He goes, I'm going to listen to the Triple J Hottest 100 and go surfing and drink beer all day. Do
1: you want to join <laughs> That's us? That's crazy.
0: And we said, That's yeah, crazy. no worries. And we uh, hung out with him. And we, we we hired surfboards
1: and. Bikes you probably weren't even thinking of the Hottest 100. Nah, at I all. didn't even know. I didn't. It was on.
0: <laughs> I didn't even know the date. I like. I didn't even know that it was Australia Day the next day. Right. I, like, We've been on the road for well over a year by Yeah. yeah. You know. I don't really uh, pay they, attention to that yeah. shit either to yeah. be honest
1: like days are just days to me a lot of the time yeah but um yeah it's just, that's funny man it's
0: just crazy I'm still in touch with him you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I taught him because that night I, I made made a uh, pudneska spaghetti pudneska and um I taught him how to make it and he uh you know he was a single guy and he goes oh I just had a really successful date I made that sauce you know just the way you taught me you know that's right. <laughs> yeah. So um, getting back to you though, but um, <laughs> with uh like with uh deep above the noise, is that the most commercial album you've had? The commercial success.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. I guess because like um, if I measure it against the last solo record, I mean it wouldn't be the most um, commercially successful record I've, I've produced. Mm. But um, as a solo record, for sure. I think the, the last one, 2005, was probably like a funny time to try and do like a homegrown instrumental like uh, beats record. Mm. I think like the beat scene in Australia, as far, as far as that stuff goes, is really healthy now. It's actually kind of like whole pockets of it going on, you know. There's all yeah. kinds of um, crew doing that stuff. And I think then it just didn't, you know, just didn't seem to be that much um, support for that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it as an excuse, but just kind of like, yeah, I think it did. I think it did really well off that last off the 2005 record for the era that it was came out in and when what it did kind of thing. Yeah, for sure.
0: Are there are there a lot of um, Australian producers doing well overseas? Um, no, I'm not sure. Really? There must be. There yeah. must be
1: like I mean, not even just in um, in rap, but there must be like producers doing well in other genres and stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: because I guess with like, um, if you're a vocalist, it's sort of you got the accent to get, right. get past, into, yeah. like past people. Whereas always, with, with I, beats and all that, yeah. Yeah. you can just, with music, you can just play it and people can make That's up their true. mind. That's true. Exactly. I've heard that a lot actually. And, like
1: yeah. and people read their own kind of story into things as well. Yeah. And um, I've always thought that about longevity in music too. Like um, doing rap in the 90s, I thought, man, because I, I used to rap a little bit in the mid 90s. And I always thought, like, yeah, it's like, I'd rather sort of do the music because I can do it. I'm interested in a lot of different music mm. and I could probably do a lot with that for a lot longer than mm. just having that kind of like, I don't know, I think being a rapper is kind of like, does have an expiration date. Yeah. You know?
0: And people expect it out of you. Like, if, yeah. if people try to, you know, cross over to something else, people are like, oh, oh what's yeah, doing? yeah, of you know? course.
1: Like, I think as a producer, I, you know, I've done like, bunch of different things like blues records and rock stuff and i mean i i do a lot of writing uh in different genres i'm uh, like with the publishing company that i'm with so they always have different kind of briefs and things and, and you get to kind of like do uh, a lot of different styles of music that i am kind of interested in but you know that wouldn't necessarily i wouldn't necessarily put it out as a platonic lab production but you know it's just something i could do yeah so it's kind of handy
0: so what's what's the, the biggest thing you've done that um you know does not necessarily have your name on it but it's mm. um you've been a big part of it and it's been out there
1: Um I reckon probably as far as kind of like um commercially uh, probably the the third muffin plutonic record because we had the on, we had the fit you know so everything rolled in that year we had the feature record we had lots of amazing reviews lots of you know great festival shows and it was like everything pumping I think that was probably like definitely like a highlight as far as records but then there's like other ones like the the last dielectrics record that I did that got down to the last whatever it was um, the last seven in the Australian Music Prize and stuff like that yeah so it's kind of like yeah that did pretty kind of well as well I don't know
0: yeah, because I never really followed the the Aussie hip hop scene. But yeah, I, right. That's how I first yeah. met you. Is I was working in OBS. Yeah, with, yeah, that's right. With with mum. Yeah. and then you'd come in. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's um, like I wasn't really following what was going mm. on. Because I, I didn't realize that you guys went so far with all that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like a I think because we were like pretty um, we got hooked up pretty much out the gate. It was it the weird thing about that stuff? And I look back on now, which was pretty weird, is that like we had with the first record, which was two thousand and four, um, and then there's Axis as well, which I did with Pegs, which like like man, people still come up to me now, and especially rappers, like that's like one of their favorite records, you know what I mean? But um, the the Hunger Pains record, we had a, but that was a feature record on the Jays, and we were we were you know kind of like seemed to be kind of um, well in with you know national radio we, we were doing kind of like all these great sort of shows and um but we still kind of also had like the uh, underground head still liked it as well it was like this really, really weird balance of kind of like we were sort of accepted by a broader audience and were able to do all these things but also accepted by the underground which i don't think really happens much these days you're either kind of like there's a lot of like pop rap and mm. pop artists that do that thing and they, they're unashamedly that. And then there's kind of like underground cats and they have their kind of like scene that they kind of do. But I think it was just like a weird, yeah, weird sort of juggle. Yeah. Um, just kind of fortunate in that way.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and what about the uh, the Mercury Music Award in the UK? Like how did
1: you about that? was through Low Tech because um, uh, um, Big Data had signed uh, Korean... Um, speech to Bell at the time and uh, she hadn't made a record and um, they got low-tech to kind of like, you know, he was going to produce the record and then because he was living here he, he sort of hit me up and felt he needed a hand with a few, you know, things some beats and stuff and um, ended up producing two singles off that record and, um, yeah, so she, I mean, it was a bit of a, a uh, bit of an unexpected thing at the time but she ended up winning that, the, uh, the mercury mercury prize in the uk which is like a crazy big yeah, award that's massive. it's a massive award yes it's like yeah, it's like, yes, so it's, like sort of of it's, it's a huge thing so um that was like a bit of a surreal moment like because i was able to like on youtube just checking out all the um the bbc morning news shows and mm. stuff and she was doing these interviews and stuff at the time and they'd play the film clip that had my track in it and kind of like see hear my track like just plastered all around the place when she won it it was yeah. really it's fucking cool but it's like it was always also that kind of disconnect where, so this great thing happened, and I had these like you know these two singles off this album that won a Mercury Prize, and then in Australia, no one seemed to really give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's kind of like, oh, yeah. all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I remember when I was living in the in the UK, like. I think Radiohead won it the first year I was living there, and the second year I was living there, um, Dizzy Rascal won it. Right, right. That's and right. everyone was a it was a, an outrage. Yeah, they and, do. Diz, but people Dizzy get very kind of um, because because everyone who previous one it was like rock or soul. Or yeah, so well, I think when
1: um, Speech to Bell won it, um, the favorite was Florence and the Machine, and um, because she didn't win it, it was a similar similar sort mm-hmm. of thing that everyone got a bit bitchy about it. But um, oh, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so
0: like we, was your like a career a slow build or was there like something, were there moments like that that really, um, I've had
1: like a lot of really crazy good moments, but I think like, I definitely think it's been a slow build and it's been like a, it's been a, not a planned longevity, <laughs> but I've been able to sustain kind of like what I do without, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't think I've, I've never really blown up. I've been kind of popular at points and I've been, uh, being uh, able to do things that are pretty crazy, I've you know been able to, to tour you know Europe and America and do some shows in uh, Japan and uh, Asia and all over Australia and like pretty much every major festival in Australia. But it's funny, like it's kind of yeah, it's like m- making it without making it. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Just uh, yeah, I just I do I do feel pretty fortunate being able to do it for so long though. It's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, but you're living off it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a, mad, it it's a mad eyes. juggle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's um. Yeah, still still doing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You don't yeah. have your MTV cribs. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't. know. I definitely don't have MTV cribs. But, you, but your yeah. house is pretty cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: I've got a I've got a cool girlfriend. She's got good taste. Yeah. I think I've got okay taste. Yeah. Um. But
0: but how like how do you go about generating like a, an income like all week to week? Income, like how's that going? Yeah, it's, with it's the music like a. Piece? I
1: think it's like a lot. If I'm doing shows, it's a lot easier, and 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 the money's kind of pretty good, and I can make that work. I think it's like when I'm off tour, uh, I just you know, in some ways it's kind of good because I have more time to work on projects, and I can either get paid for doing production. Or um I do stuff through um publishing, so there's like um publishing money for stuff and there's like that kind of like um passive income with some things and then other times I'm working like just doing smaller shows or doing merch or trying to just do a DJ spot. So it's like a bit of a juggle of a bunch of different things. Um Yeah. So I get it's just that you gotta have your finger in a lot of different pies, I guess.
0: Yeah. Mm. And like you were talking, like I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago and you are talking about the passive income, how you get it, you can get it from a lot of, uh, like, you know, you make it, make a beat like two years ago. Yeah. I I and mean, money's still just, you know, coming in overnight for it. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's like an accumulative thing, but, um, it's definitely like, you know, if you, if you make the right kind of tracks, especially with publishing and stuff, you know, there's, there's definitely money to be made there. And, um yes it means even simple things like just band camp and stuff i mean stuff sells off there all the time and that's just like you know that's just like a store that's set up itself and occasionally i do a little plug for stuff but it kind of just it kind of just churns away but it's just all these little things i guess that kind of like accumulate and that's how it all kind of works out but yeah it's still a mad juggle
0: yeah has it been a roller coaster ride or it's been uh, sort of smooth?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, the roller coaster part of it, I think, comes from. It's, 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 I think it's an emotional, and without sounding too kind of like emo, <laughs> it's like sometimes it's an emotional roller coaster in terms of like you can have, uh, you know, you can be getting mad accolades from the media and, you know, doing these things and having it. A mad review and uh, being on the radio or something like that and then kind of like uh hustling and trying to like uh, fucking do a bit of production or whatever it is it's like it, it's like some you know some weeks it's kind of like oh people say i'm really great but i don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know about it this week i don't feel that great you know what i mean so yeah. it's that it's that thing of i think it's it's also like being a musician putting yourself out there I was like I don't think there's a lot of jobs where like I think you would know, know like being a designer you definitely have people that are over your shoulder and they're definitely nitpicking on whatever it is or having their opinion oh, yeah. and judging the work <laughs> but I think I think when you're like in public if you put your piece of art out there and this might be the same for a lot of different mediums but you're judged so hard like and it and because the work is actually you it's not just kind of like uh you know it's not just like a house that you built or something that the the actual art is a representation of your personality and your fucking faces on the cover or whatever so when you you know people are judging it or whatever it is kind of like when it's good it's good and when it's kind of like when it's bad it's kind of man it's like it's it's a pretty harsh environment you know to be doing art in yeah. It's like everyone has an opinion, and you can't please everybody. And it's, you know, it's you know, it might be the the best thing ever for some people, and it might not be for others. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. One of those weird things.
0: Yeah, I found that with uh, with art, it's, you know, like it's it's so true what you're saying, and it's like intimidating, sort of putting on like a uh, an exhibition, or or even just painting a, a mural on the street, or mm. or just any. Like You've got just, to have a pretty thick painting, skin you know? You know? sometimes. Yeah. I think,
1: like, to really to just I mean, you must. Be pretty uh, headstrong, just like this is what I want to do, this is what it's going to be. Not everyone's going to like it, yeah. but be ready to take that you know, take the brunt of that, I guess. Yeah,
0: know? there's nothing worse yeah. than putting something out there, and it's only once it's out there that you start really noticing that, like, the flaws in it or, yeah, I or think is that's it, is, I think is this too heavily influenced. This is the for thing I else. think that, like, yeah. I mean,
1: a lot of maybe a lot of I don't know if, if I should have a go at critics so much, but like people that critique things that. Probably the flaws in whatever it is, whatever art it is, the artist is the artist probably knows what those flaws are well before anyone else does. You know, you know what's good with it and what is not so good with it. But I think it's that thing of like, you know, I know people that will just not release anything out into the world, like whether it be art, music, whatever, because just, they just want it to be fucking perfect. Mm. And nothing's ever going to be like, you know, that perfect. You know, sometimes it's good to just like, you know, this is as good as you can make it now. And this is how it's going to go out. And the next time around, I'll be better than, you know, two years after this or a year after this, I'll make something. This is going to be, I'll take that, what I've learned from doing that thing and use it in the next thing. Yeah. And, you know, but yeah, getting back to that thing of like, yeah, I, I definitely, I know what's shit about whatever that thing is that I've done or what's really great about it or what I like about it, mm. whatever. You know, I'm reading this book at the moment called um, Louder Than Words by
0: this guy, Todd Henry. And he, um, and it's all, you know, it's all about the psychology behind art and creativity and stuff. And um, it's got this section in there and, um, and it's saying that like, people who create art, in, no matter what your medium is, they've got really good taste and they know what they like. Right. But when you're actually trying to do it, you're trying to sort of pour your influences into something and you right. sort of know, know what the outcome you want is. Yeah, but yeah. But whether or not you've got the skills to actually do it off the bat or not is a different story.
1: I think that's everything. Yeah, and it's
0: like, and things aren't coming out the way you want it to Mm. because you're comparing it to these people who've been doing it for thirty years. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, or people who are just naturally talented with it. Yeah, and um, and I feel that's that's the case. You just got to keep working and working Mm. and 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 building yourself up.
1: Yeah, I I definitely, I I definitely subscribe to that idea. That's all about your taste and that's the, that's the shit it's like what you've got your intention and your taste is what carries it through you know what i mean yeah it's 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 that sort of simple in some ways because if you know you it may not be it may not live up to what you want it to be in your head or whatever sometimes but um it might exceed it sometimes i don't know sometimes you can you know win in that way but um yeah it's definitely like you know you got to have your taste and your taste is yours and that's your individuality and in whatever art you're hmm. doing i think
0: totally so if, if you weren't um, working as a musician, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: Oh, man. Well, actually, um, I thought I was going to be a sound designer, which is not quite a musician. But um, I went to, ended up going to uni, uh, did an honours degree. I went for four years and did um, a media arts course because I thought I was gonna, wanted to get into sound design. Because I've always loved film and... Um, and just been really interested in that side of things. But um, while I was doing the university course, I was actually putting out records, and it just started sort of that kind of just took off. So I think like if I wasn't, you know, playing drums or being a musician, I'd probably like do something like that. Something to do with film. Like I, I kind of like um, not so much photography. I do like photography, but um, probably just like yeah, just like video or film, something like that.
0: Yeah. Cause you've um, <coughs> like I, like I thought you're uh you were gonna say astronaut because of your self-cover. <laughs> like
1: <a> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no no, it's okay. Just like a weekend astronaut, not <laughs> a full time one.
0: Yeah, but you've um you've actually like uh done a lot of production for for film and TV, haven't you? Like you've like you know like HBOs yeah, here and there. I mean, and stuff like that's
1: that. all just like um a lot of that stuff to. The US TV stuff and a few of the films and stuff is just all publishing. So it's all kind of like um, existing music that's in the catalogue. And uh, occasionally you get lucky and it gets a sync in something good. So that's how that's worked out. I've only really like... Um, I've scored stuff. I uh, say scored. But um, you know I've, I've made music for soundtracks for stuff. Um, I've done a few art installations... I've done a lot, lot more sort of arty kind of stuff than I have kind of like, like actual like make it for the thing, not mm. just like syncing a, a song like a pre-existing song. Like yeah, so it's been sort of more art stuff, but um that was a while ago. I used to do stuff for um Kate Bainon uh back in the day. So yeah, yeah. I think Sutton Gallery's still going in Fitzroy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All that sort of stuff.
0: Oh, cool. Mm. So was there any uh was there any point in your career that you uh you've had to go out and get a day job to to keep it going?
1: Um yeah it's like um I've had like a lot of real shitty jobs on and off. Um yeah I just I think like even when I was younger I used to work it in a way that like I was in like a few different bands like some of them were cover bands and stuff just to kind of like make a bit of money. And so like on a you know say like you know was gigging like four days a week or something and it would just like pay my rent and share housing and all that kind of stuff. And I think just, yeah, just in some quiet times when, you know, because I've been living off music for quite a while now, but I think like, you know, uh, years ago, yeah, I d- definitely would just take on some shitty job or whatever, sometime, occasionally. Yeah. Yep. It's always just a horrible, horrible moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You haven't had to um, don the whiskers and uh, become a drummer in the uh, the Kiss kiss uh tribute band or anything like that you never know (laughs) it might be
1: down the track might be doing that
0: yeah because when we uh went camping the other week we're talking about um i was talking to you about like the processes and all that and it just there was uh, so many similarities between making music and making art like Mm. you sort of start with like a blank canvas and and then you start with a, I guess a rough sketch of what you're gonna be doing and then yep. you sort of start laying layering it all up with yeah, like, I guess with colour and shape in right. my world and and sound in your world, you know. Mm. It's it it's just really to be it's very a, similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was through having that conversation I thought it'd be great to get you on here, you know, because um just thought, man, it's like what you're doing is you just you're painting with noise. Yeah. You know, I
1: mean I have my sketchbooks as well. It's like um like a, I guess a visual artist would have like the black book or a sketchbook or whatever. I've got like you know, I guess there's folders on my hard drive of just like ideas. Like it's either kind of like, it could be something that I've sampled, chopped up, and put into like some kind of kind of order, or it's like a something I've played on the piano that records. Like oh, that'd be cool for something. I don't know what, but it's there. And like sometimes it's good if you kind of like need a bit of inspiration. Much the same as kind of like a visual artist might go... You might go through your book and it's like, oh, I was doing this thing or whatever. It's like it's like that with music as well. It's like, I'll sometimes just randomly go through my, you know, ideas and just like, oh, I could probably flesh this thing out or, you know, these drums that I've made or recorded, they're perfect for this thing I want to do or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just... You're constantly just making stuff, you know, making palettes, you know, like music palettes.
0: Yeah. yeah. So with... um. With the, uh, the, the book you made with your, your girlfriend, Nicole Reid, um, Field Notes, like how did all, all that come
1: about? Um, uh, it was like a... I don't know. I think we just sort of like... We got together and it was just brainstorming ideas and jeing each other up on like where, what we could do. I think it, originally it was just going to be kind of like... Um, we uh, had, had booked a trip to Hong Kong... I was like um, us being artists, kind of like uh, we should try and do something while we're there instead of just hanging out and eating food. Let's just kind of like, you know, do something with it. Like Because I knew, I knew Nicole was going to take a lot of photos because she's always taking a lot of photos. And uh, I think it was her idea to originally maybe kind of do like a, a video. And uh, and I thought like I could do maybe do a soundtrack to the video so we could like put a video together about Hong Kong and I'll do a soundtrack to it. And that became kind of like... You know, anyone can kind of do that. And because I, a lot of my career has been in physical formats, whether it be, you know, vinyl, um, cassettes, tape, uh, CDs, whatever. And um, she really... W- actually, like, one of the things that she really wanted to do was, like, make a book, a photography book. So then we just, like, brainstormed the idea of like what... You know, I was showing her kind of, like, um, a lot of these kind of, like, children's book like records that I had that had the kind of, like, um, the... Sort of like the comic books in them, like I had a, like a GI Joe one and some other ones, and they had this kind of like twelve-inch record in the back, and it's kind of like we could sort of do something like this, but instead of it being a comic, we could put it like you know do the photos, and in the back we can put the vinyl record, and that be- just became the idea, and then we just kind of like worked on that. So that's kind of how it came about, just like having the idea of how can we make how can we make the music and the photography come together uh, in a sort of tangible. Kind of physical format, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I remember those are uh, those uh, books. I've never put <laughs> yeah. put two and two together. Yeah, yeah. right. Is this
1: so, something yeah. like because when you dig in for records, like you know, sometimes you just come across some interesting kids thing. and might have drums on it. might have some sounds or some dialogue. So you know, you pick those things up and yeah, just like a like not the I guess like the, there's Disney ones as well, the read-along storybook ones. But there's all kinds of ones. I got ones on like you know. Uh, you know a trip to the you know the landing on the moon and all kinds of other stuff so yeah, it's just kind of like a, a almost like a forgotten format in a way so yeah, yeah it's like an old school idea in a lot of ways
0: yeah. yeah yeah totally totally so um like you were telling me a couple of weeks ago about um like a music camp that you go to? Like where you have to, like, uh, you have a set amount of time to record a song? Oh, uh, yeah.
1: That's um, something that um, the publishing company that I'm with, uh, Native Tongue, have done for the last few years. And I've actually never taken part in it until uh, this year because I've always been, like, um, been on tour and doing stuff. for the, I've been pretty constant with that for the last five or so years. So this year I um, had a bit of time. Uh, to do other stuff like the book and the record and did a single as well in the year and um yeah and then this writers camp came up which is like a week uh they just they get um uh, mostly it's like writers that are signed to the publishing company and they they have this studio called the grove up in uh central new south wales that have um a whole bunch of functioning studios in this complex and also they have accommodation there sorry pardon me um and uh, they also bring in outside artists um, that are wanting to get tracks for their record or it might just be syncs for um, commercials or whatever it is. So each day you start out with a group of writers. It's usually um, sets of three. So you get like a producer, a top-line writer and an artist or two musicians and a producer. And you just you, you get a brief in the morning and you just work until you it's done, basically. You just make something from scratch. And it's really interesting because each... Brief is like completely different from the next, so you really put to test um, kind of your skills, I guess. Kind of like you just, you know, as there always, there's always that kind of sweaty moment, like midway through, we're just like, oh man, I'm really shit. Like <laughs> I don't know if like, I don't know what I'm doing, and it always kind of seems to come together. Like you always make something kind of cool.
0: So. Yeah, do you have to sort of go off and have lunch and?
1: Yeah, relax, relax a for a bit take I mean it's like a, they look after and, you really yeah. well like I mean I guess the one I've, the one that I've been on like it's like uh, yeah got looked after pretty well got cooked for and, uh, yeah
0: but I mean like when, you get, when you're stuck you know it's like you're doing uh, it's a hectic kind of like, morning session I don't know like, I, like, just, man, I, just, I just I just seem to,
1: to kind of like some of that I think like I get really nervous when I leave something when it's not working mm. I kind of prefer to sit there and sweat it out yeah I think like I mean it's good to clear your mind I guess there's like two ways of doing it you can either like stick at it until you, you know, you pummel the thing until you just like work out what is mm. tangible and what you can work work out. But um, other times like yeah, take a break and clear the head, and then the ideas may become a little bit easier. Yeah, because I,
0: I like I have that with <coughs> design sometimes. Like you know, they're like, oh, we need this by you know by lunchtime, mm. and it's like this. <laughs> if you start with a blank piece of blank sheet, and you got everybody design something that's quite complex. Yeah. And it's like, man, you know, there's not enough time to really... Sometimes, some things can just work straight away and other things you just... It's like trying to get a, a square through a circle. Yeah. It's just not not it's just not happening. And I think... Um, yeah. You need to sort of take yourself away and mm-hmm. Like, I go for a walk around the block, even though the deadline's on. And it's like, man... It's like, you just need mate, to, like, and, you have know, that, that ideas I mean, time. Yeah, remove myself from the computer, go mm-hmm. for a walk, do some drawing, whatever, you know, and then come back. You
1: know. I think it's like I think the frustration comes from when you've done it enough and you and you've finished and made a bunch of you know products or whatever it is or you know fin- finished art. <clears throat> you kind of know what the end result should be, and like you kind of have you gauge it. Like at some point during the creative process, you are kind of like going like Fuck! I really I know where this needs to go, and it's not going there, and that's yeah. where the frustration comes from. Yeah, like you know where the finish line is kind of thing.
0: It goes back to that thing that we we're talking about—taste as well—and you right. know, you know what's good and what's yeah, not. Yeah, and you so, know that yeah. So, doing is not good. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so instead of
1: like, so you know what to, you know what you don't want to do. Almost mm, mm. like it's like I, I you know, I, I don't want to go down that path or use that. Or you, there's so many things mm. at your disposal and there's so many ways you could do it, but maybe they don't fit into your kind of like you might think that half of those things are cheesy or whatever. Mm. So it's like you got to kind of got to work a little bit harder to find the cooler things. Yeah.
0: Like we, we it, like in the industry, in the design industry, we always joke around about it and say it's the it's that, um, that cousin's wedding invite or something like that. That's the one that gets you, that breaks you. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you're, you're like man, I don't, I'm not getting paid for this. I don't have right. that much time to spend on this, but for some reason I'm, I just can't get it to work. Right. I can't yeah. get it. And like, I had one of them the other day. It was, oh, it killed me. It was, um, it was for a, um, a a pet's grooming shop, and it was just like it was. It wasn't paid like like oh, no. It was for the cl- it was a friend of a client. Okay, and it yeah, was yeah. like oh, I'll just do it as a favour sort of thing. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, like so there's not like there's a, not enough money yeah. in this to spend yeah. time on it. Just right. just sort of bang it together and out it goes <laughs> and just. I just couldn't get it. But you beat yourself up over it. Oh man, it destroyed (laughs) me. It's like I I, I left. I I went home a broken man, and it's like, fuck! I've been working on these massive contracts and stuff, and it's like, oh, this is you know. It's like, oh, you know, I'm so proud of these big contracts I've done, and it's like his little bloody pet grooming shop in Mm. in a suburb in Melbourne, and it's like broke me. (laughs) It's just for that day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes sometimes a
1: deadline will kill you. I think yeah. like I think deadlines are really necessary though. Yeah. Um I think you can you just will run into trouble if you don't have kind of like some kind of finite time that it needs to be done in. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know it's like I've um I've been doing a, a Christmas t-shirt for my family as well for my cousin. I've, got a, cousin I've definitely came, got a deadline. Cousin, <laughs> cousin came up with the idea and it's like, oh, let's do like a screen prints and T-shirts and everyone in the family can have like a family T-shirt sort of thing. It's like, oh, all right, you know, tried to squeeze it in at work. And mm. at first it was like banging my head against the wall and then I just removed myself from it and opened it up another day and it was done in 10 minutes. know, right. so. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, so
1: like you do most of your work at night, don't you? Um, yeah, I'm trying to actually snap out of that, but it's, it's pretty ingrained, like my whole life is pretty much, I just, I just think there's something to kind of like, I I don't know if it's psychological, but like just knowing that, uh, you know, a fucking huge percentage of the world are asleep and it's got that quietness at night. And I just, you know, chuck the headphones off. Well, when I was living uh, alone, I just like have the music blaring and do whatever I could. Uh, these Na- days kind of like love you eh? Uh well it's it's kind of like a good setup here because I have like um a quite a bit of space between me and the neighbors on three sides of the house, and then the other side of the house is like um I have a whole row of bedrooms and a hallway between the studio and the next door neighbors, so I can just shut all the doors. I you know, I can't play drums at like one o'clock in the yeah. morning. I'm not yeah. that much of an asshole yeah. <laughs> but um you know I can't make noise and stuff, but yeah. I know I think yeah getting back to the question though, I think yeah I think most of my life I don't know why but like it's just I think it's because like you you're doing shows at night most of what you do as a musician is kind of like to do with um, it's the entertainment industry it happens at night time and then you end up working at night as well but I think like you've got to make use of all your time as well so like you end up doing a bunch of shit during the day too but these days I'm trying, I'm just trying to do it mostly during the day. And, um, yeah. I don't know, it's a battle sometimes. I just yeah. like staying up late. I've always been like that, you know. Yeah. Some people would say, like, why fight it, you know. You should just, yeah. if that's how you naturally are, like if you're a night person, you should just do that. If you're creating, I think mm. that's, uh,
0: that's the way to do it. Like I find in the studio as well, I go to the studio after work and it's like, I'm a bit no, zombied from the day, staring at a computer or whatever. But by the time it starts to get quite late into the evening, it's it's like I'm really in the flow and in the zone. So that's when ideas And, and idea producing work happening. And it's, mm. and I, I know it sounds a bit, like, a bit hippie and woo-woo, but it's almost like everyone else is chilled out. So the vibrations in the the, yeah, the uh, or whatever you there's know, something in like, that I yeah. mean I know
1: what you're saying about a bit it's a bit sort of hippie trippy whatever but yeah. like there's definitely something in just at the night time is quieter yeah like yeah and you can sense that it's quieter there's less cars there's less people in the street all that kind of stuff and it does make it it's something psychologically to do with psychological to do with that that kind of like um, definitely helps the creative process I think anyway But I find like during the day I do like other stuff. So it might even just be like, you know, I'm doing all the kind of a lot of the grunt work. So like it might just be mixing something. It might be just like stuff that's not as creative, but it kind of it's still like really important to get to getting things done or whatever it is. So, yeah. And then nighttime is kind of like when you have your, your kind of like light bulb moments and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so after um, all these years in the, the music industry, like, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs>
1: oh man, uh, I reckon like one good bit of advice I would give myself is like maybe not chop and change so much. I think like if I had a worked out um, to stick to stick to one thing a little bit more instead of like just sort of tr- being you know trying so many different things at once, which can be... I don't know. See, there you go. There's my duality going on again. It's yeah. like I'm questioning that bit of advice already because there's definitely something in having a bunch of stuff going on at once. I don't yeah. know. It's like a... Maybe kind of like... Because I was always like really reserved when I was... I'm still kind of pretty quiet and reserved. Like So I think I would probably try and be a little bit more outgoing because I think... There's one thing to create work and be an artist and do all that kind of stuff. And then the other side of it is is your connections and kind of all that side of it, which is just kind of is important if you're going to do it for a living. I think it's really important to have all that sort of stuff. And that's probably the side of things that I've probably lacked. I've probably been just lucky with meeting the right people and just like I know my strengths and weaknesses and have let other people you know the networking part of it it's like you know yeah that sort of stuff i'll i'll do the, the work it's kind of cool but um, yeah i think like i just i think it would have just come out of my shell a bit more when i was younger and tried to kind of like i think i would have had a, more opportunities maybe sooner mm. yeah
0: yeah and going going back to your working hours a bit like do you, do you um set yourself working hours like do you say oh, i'm going to do like i don't know Forty-hour
1: week or whatever, you know. Yeah, um, not really. But I just I just stress a lot. So if I don't get stuff done, <laughs> I stress out more. Yeah. So I try and get I try and get stuff done. It's just more that sort of thing. Like sometimes you work dumb hours yeah. just because you want to get something. Especially yeah. when it's usually like towards the end of finishing a project, like you just do dumb hours working on it. You just like sleep heaps less, and you just like as soon as you get up, you're just mm. onto it and just yeah. trying to get that thing done. um but there's no like i don't know about the logging of hours kind of thing i think it's kind of like as long as you're not slipping uh you know yeah i think like your self um imposed stress about getting stuff done is enough for me to like (laughs) keep me on my toes to get you know keep doing stuff
0: yeah yeah i'm I'm working on getting better at that myself you know Mm. i find it's just with deadlines it just, uh, just engulfs your mind. Yeah. being awake at night yeah. going, I should be working on this. Yeah. Which. It's but, like it's not... What uh, am i wasting my time sleeping
1: for. <laughs> it's it's like the privilege of having like a job where you can just like knock, knock off at like five o'clock at night mm. and you don't have to think about, think about it till nine the next day or whatever yeah. it is. It's like that's... You don't really get that a lot in the arts, I don't think. I think you're just thinking about it fucking 24-7. Mm. It, you know, it just... Yeah, you're always thinking about it. Something might even happen while you're going to get lunch, and you go like, "Ah, oh, that's a cool sound," or oh, "I like really, <laughs> really like that font," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just always thinking about your art, no matter yeah. what doesn't doesn't really switch off.
0: I find when I'm working for other people, like, man, I'm I'm on the clock. You know, it's like if I'm at my desk and I'm working, I'm working. But if but if as soon as you know I'm a lunch break, I just I'm on me time and it's like I, from then I start working on all my other projects right. like, as you say I'm like looking around it's like oh look at that look at that mm. taking photos of things for, to draw to paint And
1: you've probably you got know, sussed out a lot more than I have I think I'm just like real blurry on all that stuff yeah. it's all just like melts into one thing i
0: think it's different like when, when you're working for someone else so it's like right like i'm that's the thing i'm on yeah, someone yeah. else's time and i bring my yeah. the skills
1: that i have there to, you go to, like if, to yeah. service them yeah then, yeah but then
0: but i'm with my own shit like i'm mm. like always thinking about it well i know? think
1: if i'm if i'm mixing or mastering someone's work then it definitely is like you got to do it in good time mm. and you can't like you know just f- fuck around with that stuff it's kind of you know they're paying you to do a thing, and you got to do it as you know, be as timely as you can. Yeah.
0: So yeah. yeah. Do you stress so about other people's work
1: though? Um, only that, like, I you know want it to be good, like they want the work to be good. Yeah. So that's the only stressful part. I mean, I don't, I don't stress about it as far as I'm. It's not as personal to me. Like, I, it's a funny thing, like, yeah, I don't know. Just it's more, it is more just like work, I guess. Yeah,
0: mm. anyway, we'll, we'll get out of that stressful conversation. <laughs> Good, <laughs> um, like, um, like you've released a lot of music over the years. Like, have you got like a favorite album or a
1: favorite song or something like
0: that you've made? <sighs> um,
1: it's funny you were talking earlier about Echoes that, um, that track with low tech on it. I reckon that's one of my favorite songs just because, yeah. like. I don't know, I think I'm when I made it, I really liked it and I gave it to him and he, he wrote it, uh, he was in Australia and he wrote it on the plane ride back to the UK and then sent it, as soon as he got off the plane, recorded it and sent it back to me. So it was pretty quick, the way he yeah. sent the raps back to me and as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh wow, this is like one of those moments where you have something you like, there's always that chance when you're sort of handing something over to someone, it, it might exceed my expectations, it might not be as good, but it's it's their take on it, so you've got to respect that or whatever. And then that occasion it was kinda of like, wow, this like totally fucking enhanced this thing like, you know, crazily. So that was yeah. like, yeah, that's probably like a standout track. But I don't know, I'd have to really uh, I've no idea, man. It's like a lot yeah. of there's a lot of music there. I like I think there's like a lot of there's a few of those dielectrics tracks uh, Cold Light a Day off his the title track of his last record is like one of my favorite things. Cause he was like he's an artist that was like at the time, um, really open to just let me do what I wanted to do sort of thing. It yeah. was like, yeah, you know, it's like good to have that freedom with some people. Not everyone's like that. You kind of got to meet some people halfway. But um, yeah, that was a good one.
0: Yeah, and um, like, do you have any dream collaborations out there?
1: Uh, Well, <laughs> I do, but I'm trying, I'm trying to actually make them a reality. So yeah. I'm trying to like tick some boxes with the next record. Um, so I'll see how it goes. It's more about like, you know, it, it's a funny thing because like when, when you're working with other people, if you're not in the same room and just creating it from scratch and you're doing it, which is most of the stuff these days is like over the internet. So I've got to send stuff to mm. somebody. There's a real guessing game involved. So like it might be this is the this might be this is the this is the thing that you would sound amazing on, and I really want on my record, but because it's so different to what you do, you probably you're probably not going to go for this idea. So I'm going to have to have these other things ready. So it's like a, it's a hard juggle sometimes, I find. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because
0: you you didn't you have black milk here the other
1: day. Yeah, he came so, through and recorded here, so I've got that's one track off the next record. Yeah, um, yeah, that was like definitely like ticking a box because he's like one of my favorite artists.
0: Yeah, and ha- had the guilty Simpson one come about? Were you? Were, um, he, what, see, I, have, I have
1: this like wish list going, and um, uh, guilty was on this on a wish list, and it it doesn't it's not necessarily doesn't fit into any kind of timeline or whatever it's Mm. like if it's possible i could i would really like to do this this and whatever it is and um it just so happened he was touring at the time when i was like uh really well and truly into getting to the end of that record and um i just so happened to have the right track for him and so he came through and he had time to do it as well so like um came through the house, recorded him in the studio. I had Discourse here, which was like a godsend because he um he was originally just like here to take sort of like footage, uh, like, you know, documenting it, yeah. I guess, that we could use maybe for promo and stuff and just ended up, <laughs> kind of ended up just shooting this thing it was like a whole video. So yeah. it's kind of like, that yeah, was really cool. So it just sort of like sometimes like, I don't know, man, fucking universe just aligns and everything comes together.
0: Yeah. Ah, fresh. Yeah. Um- so have you got any like uh, big uh, projects or plans for 2017?
1: Um, I'm working on um, three LPs and an EP, which is a lot because I've, I've kind of like a really, I mean, I guess uh, over the last couple of years, I, I just kind of, I didn't really stop because I was always sort of doing stuff, but I definitely like kinda was not um, doing stuff to the degree I'd done in previous years. So I think I <laughs> I don't know if I've you know bitten off more than I can chew yet, but it seems to be going all right, and I really like the stuff that I'm doing. So it could be yeah, it could be a really productive year next year, I think. But I um, yeah, I just needed like yeah a couple of years ago I just needed some time off, and um yeah a bunch of stuff sort of all happened at once, and it's like fuck it, you know like I'll just I'll just be the drummer dude for the hoods for a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll just do that and just uh. And I think it didn't take long for the, you know, the ideas to start, you know, buzzing away again.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to remove yourself from the yeah, yeah, habitual situation. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. If you can, that's the yeah. thing. Like, you know, if you're afforded the, the opportunity to do that, then sometimes it's good.
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. You know, every, every time I just change my environment, just it's like, like I, get, like a, I just, it get flooded with inspiration. Mm. And it's, it's like, all right, it's on once as soon as I'm settled again I'm i will get to I find it's like I stuff. find
1: like often it's people as well it's mm. like you're not just changing the environment it's like it, you're either like working with someone different or you're meeting someone different with, mm. a, with another angle and that's really inspiring sometimes yeah um, yeah it's just often interactions and if someone's like you know like if you're working with someone or you meet someone that's like really enthusiastic it's hard not to get enthusiastic yourself yeah that sort of thing which is also like a that's a, also a thing doing shit in isolation. It kind of, you can get just like sick of yourself sometimes. I think, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, fuck, you know, this guy again. <laughs> yeah.
0: Unfortunately, I don't have, I don't have enough hours of that. All you know? oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: working the reverse angle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, um, like where's the best place online for people to find out more about you and hear your music and stuff like
1: that? Uh, I've got a website, which is plutoniclab.com. And all the links to all the other social media and all that stuff is there. If you just want to hear music, then the Bandcamp site is probably the best spot, which is uh, bandcamp.plutoniclab or something like that. Or just search for Plutonic Lab on Bandcamp and you should find it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for (laughs) taking the time to have a chat. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Cheers, man. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guests, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you will find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.